Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. How are we feeling today, guys? The mayor's here, baby. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. Not the actual mayor, but the mayor of the church is here. He's OGs. I know. You should have. Every time, bro, you know. Um, that's my cousin Austin. He's the mayor. He knows everybody. If you don't know Austin yet, you're missing out. Go, go meet him. And Aunt Judy, you're great too. You know. We love that. <laughs> so, hey, yesterday, Giving Meal was awesome. If you were here for Giving Meal, raise your hand. Let me see it. Come on, give God a hand. Uh, thank you guys for serving, but give God a hand for what he did. I love it. So I love giving. It's one of my favorite things we do. People in the community that don't even go to our church know our church as the church that gives away free food. Churches could be known for a lot worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, hey, I'll take that all day long. A church that helps people. Well, who would have thought that was a good thing? But it was awesome. And uh, yesterday was great. So uh, I want to just hit on really quickly what Steph already talked about with Christmas Eve. But uh, man, come to one of our services and bring your family. You got family coming in from out of town. Here's what we would do. And now we don't. It's different for us. Like we, we're, we're going to be here. All right. And uh, we'll be here. But Say, hey, we're going to church on Sunday. That's just what we do. So if you're coming in town, just you're going to come to church with us, you know, and that's fine. People will come and they'll love it and you'll have a great time. Okay, so we'll do normal service, 10 o'clock, kids is included, all of that. And then four o'clock, no kids, uh, no Oasis kids, but kids are welcome in here. And we'll do candlelight there. Just make sure your children don't burn the church down. Okay, that's all I ask. That's not a lot. That's all I ask. All right, so. Hey, uh, today we're starting a new series. I'm so excited called Hear the Voice of God. We want to teach you how to hear the voice of God because I think some of us, God is probably speaking to you, but you don't know how to listen to him. You don't know how he talks. So I want to teach you how are you going to hear the voice of God? Well, over 50 years ago, there was a guy named Dr. Albert or Alfred Tomatis, and uh, he got called to work with this famous opera singer, this world-renowned opera singer, and this opera singer was phenomenal and he could hit, you know, the highest of high notes, the lowest of low notes. And if you've ever been to an opera before, I've been to one when we were in uh, high school, middle school or something, it was terrible. I'm going to be honest, opera's not my thing, okay? Um, but we went to an opera and what's amazing is they don't use microphones a lot of times in opera performances because their voice is so loud. Like, they can project their voice so loud that they actually don't need microphones, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, and so he got called to work on this guy because all of a sudden this opera singer was unable to hit notes that he'd already hit time and time again for years and years and years, performance after performance. It was like, have you ever seen like a picture where they like, what's it called, where they can't perform anymore, huh? Yes. 
the yips, yeah. Like it's like he, it was like, did this guy get the yips? Like he can't sing like he used to sing. And so this doctor came in and he brought a sonogram to, to measure what was happening. And he realized that he, he, he uh, measured a bunch of different opera singers and realized that the average opera singer sings at 140 decibels. Now, if you're not familiar with sounds, let me help you. That is slightly louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. Have you ever been to an air show? You wear earplugs for a reason, right? Like, it's insane. It's even louder, actually, inside your own skull. So he was singing these loud notes, and it was loud to the people that were hearing it. It was even louder inside of his own skull. And so what they realized is that the singer had actually become deaf by his own voice. And you can't sing a note that you physically can't hear anymore because notes are all just frequencies and he actually lost the frequencies that produce these notes. And if you can't hear the frequencies, if you're deaf to the frequencies, you can't produce the notes that you need to sing. And so the voice, what Dr. Tomatis realized is that the voice can only reproduce what the ear can actually hear. The voice can only reproduce what the ear can actually hear. So could it be that the reason we struggle with hearing God in our everyday life is because we have some selective deafness? Maybe we can't hear the voice of God, and so that means we can't speak the voice of God. We can't do what God wants us to do if we can't hear what God wants us to hear. Does that make sense? And so I think that a lot of us struggle with this. It's called the Tomatius effect. I think a lot of us struggle with the Tomatius effect where, man, we've become deaf to the voice of God. And so we can't live out what God's voice is telling us to do. And it's so easy to drown out the voice of God. It's so easy to, to drown out because there's so much stuff going on, right? Your kids have busy schedules. You have a busy schedule. You got a full-time job and you got these kids and they got different stuff. They got, you know, uh, sports and extracurricular activities. They're starting to drive. They, they have their friends and then you have your job and your friends and you got to show up to church and you got to serve and and don't forget Thursday is Thanksgiving everybody I don't know if you knew that and then what who cares about Thanksgiving right Christmas is right after that and then after that we have New Year's and then after that we got to somehow get back in the rhythm of work and send our kids to school we have a lot going on y'all know what I'm talking about then not only that we have these things in our pocket called phones that ding you all the time, right? Like you get ads uh, and you see messaging all day. You see messaging on your phone. You see ads on YouTube. You see ads on Facebook and Instagram and you hear them on podcasts. You get junk emails that are ads. You get text messages. Your phone's constantly dinging. Hey, you forgot this at home. Hey, this is going on. Hey, your daughter left work and now she's on her way home. And oh, hey, oh, your timer's going off that you set for dinner. And you have everything coming at you from your phone. And then on top of all of that, there's the voice in your head, right? Like the voice that says, oh man, I got to buy that thing. It's Black Friday's coming up. I got to get that thing for Christmas for the kids. And then I got to send this list to this person. And then, oh my gosh, how many dishes are we making for Thanksgiving? Then we, I got to make the corn bean, the green bean casserole, the corn casserole. I got to smoke the turkey. Oh, I need kitchen shears if I'm going to cut the turkey so that I can. And then you have all this. And then on top of that, I have ADHD squirrel, right? Like this is, it happens. I got things going on and, and things are going. But could it be that we have so much coming in, that it's hard for us to hear the voice of God. Come on, am I speaking to anybody right now? Man, you, you're desperate for the voice of God, but you can't hear it because there's so much stuff 
going on? Well, this series is all about teaching you how to hear God's voice. I desperately want you to hear God's voice. I desperately want, to, want you to hear when he is starting to speak to you. Because make no mistake, God is speaking to you. The question is, do we hear him and are we listening? All right? So we're going to dive in. That's why we call this Hear the Voice of God. So the first question I want to look at today is very simple. Does God speak? That might be, you might not be familiar with church. You might be new here. And you're like, Clint, that sounds wacko, right? Like, God speaks. I've never heard a thundering voice from God, right? Like I've never, the, the lights haven't opened up and I haven't heard, Clint, you know, it, it's not like that. That's not, but that's not how God speaks. Okay. I want you to understand that. That's not how typically, now God could, typically that's not how God speaks. Okay. But the, the short answer to that question, does God speak is yes, he does speak. And the Bible actually talks about this. It says this in Hebrews chapter one, verse one. So the writer of Hebrews starts off the whole book by saying this right here. Y'all put this on the screen. It says long ago, God spoke many times, not only many times, but he spoke in many different ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And so if we look at that, if we look at God's word, God's word tells us that God, not only he, he didn't just speak once, he spoke many times and he spoke in many different ways. So here's what that means. God used different uh, genres to speak to us. So he would speak to us. He would, he would influence people by the power of the Holy Spirit. He would speak to them and they would write it down. And so God would speak to us. We have in the old Testament uh, through different genres like poetry, uh, parables, historical narrative, uh, prophetic confrontation is uh, something ways God that uh, ways that God spoke dramatic presentation we have the psalms we have the proverbs God used a lot of different genres to speak to us okay God speaks in many different ways but it also says he spoke many different times so not only does God use different genres to speak to us he also used a lot of different means to speak to us I'm just going to name a few here he spoke to Moses through a burning bush Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And he was like, what is that? And then all of a sudden, God used this bush to talk to Moses. Uh, another one, he spoke to Pharaoh through the plagues. God spoke to Pharaoh through the plagues. Uh, he spoke to Elijah through a still, small voice. We learned about that last week, right? Where we burnout or a couple weeks ago. I don't remember when it was. Uh, my brain doesn't know what time it is. But uh, he spoke to Elijah through a still, small voice. He spoke to Isaiah through a heavenly vision. Uh, he spoke to Hosea through a family crisis, right? He spoke to Amos through a basket of fruit. That's crazy, right? Like uh, he spoke to Hezekiah through illness. He spoke to uh, Belshazzar, who was a king, when Daniel was going on, literally through a disembodied hand that wrote a message on a wall while he was having dinner. That's how God chose to spoke. And my favorite one of all is God chose to speak through a real donkey, this prophet named Balaam, who, who was trying to go and speak curses against Israel. God was so powerful that the, the donkey refused to let Balaam continue. And the donkey, he got so mad, he was beating this donkey like, come on, get after it, man. What are you doing? And all of a sudden the donkey said, hey, I'm not moving because you're going to try to speak against God. You think that got Balaam's attention? Come on now. I mean, my gosh, that would be insane, right? So God spoke through a donkey. And that's just to name a few. God spoke in many different ways. He spoke at many different times. And that was how God spoke in the Old Testament. 
All right, so we look at the Old Testament. Our Bible is broken up into two different uh, sections. We got the Old Testament. Some people call it the Hebrew Bible, okay? It's the Old Testament. Then we have the New Testament. The New Testament is when Jesus came and when the Holy Spirit comes and the church starts. That's what the New Testament is. The New Testament is from Jesus on in the, the chronolo- chronologically in the whole story. So in the Old Testament, I want you to imagine God's voice and God speaking as a spectrum of light. All right, so I'm gonna give you a little science lesson, the little bit that I have. Uh, right now in this room, there's light happening, right? We got lights shining on me, lights uh, in the ceiling, and that's all happening through a color spectrum that our eyes can see. Our eyes can see this color spectrum. That's why we can see color, we can see shapes, we can see all this stuff. It's all because it's in a spectrum. Well, what happens is whenever you take that color spectrum, and if I had a prism, which I don't have, I I could take this light and I could focus it into a prism, and then I could show like a little rainbow and show you all the different colors in the color spectrum. That's what a rainbow is, is it's light catching a prism, and it's projecting all the different colors that's found in the color spectrum. And so I want you to think about that as we go to this next verse. It says Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 2. It says this, and now, so he said, hey, God spoke many different times, many different ways to the ancestors, our prophets. Next verse, it says, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, and the illustration I'm giving you is the Old Testament, God used a spectrum. But Jesus is the prism that takes that spectrum and it focuses it all into one thing. And so this is telling us that, hey, outside of Jesus now, God does not speak. So if, if, if you feel like God is talking to you, we're going to get to more of this in a second. If you feel like God is speaking to you and telling you to do something, but it goes against something that Jesus said or is found in the Bible, that is not God speaking to you because Jesus is the sounding board, scripture is the sounding board by which we test these things that God might be telling us. It's, it is very important that we understand that. But God still does communicate with us and speak to us in different ways. It's all just filtered through the Bible and it's filtered through Jesus. Does that make sense? Come on, nod your head if, if you're tracking with me. Okay, good. Okay, so um, that's what we're going to talk about. I want to teach you that uh, through this series this week and next week. So on Wednesday nights... Um, Our family, that's like the only night of the week where our kids don't have dance or sports or anything. And so that's like our family night. And so we don't do anything on Wednesdays. We don't don't go to your house on Wednesdays. Uh, Actually, someone offered to give us tickets to one of my favorite bands on Wednesday. I didn't even know about this. And Stephanie's like, hey, so-and-so was like, do you want need to brief tickets? And Steph was like, I told him no, it's Wednesday. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, what? Yeah. And so uh, I guess I'll spend it with the kids, you know, no, but we don't do stuff on Wednesdays. That's our family day. And so, uh, and survivor comes on Wednesdays. Let's go with somebody, uh, and amazing race, but we're a week behind amazing race because we have dinner with the kids and with the kids, we watch the amazing race together as a family. And so if you don't know about the amazing race, where have you been? Okay. Uh, but, uh, it's a race around the world and they got to go to different countries and do stuff. And the last person, wins a million dollars. It's awesome. So in this particular, this a uh, couple weeks ago, um, they were in India and they had to do something, a challenge. And when they completed it, they had to present to an uh, Indian chief guy. I don't know what he was, but he looked really important. And uh, he, they would go over there. They would say a certain phrase and the Indian guy would say, good job. Here's your next clue. And he said that. And one of our kids actually looked up 
and said, he sounds funny when he speaks English. And Stephanie just looked over and said, well, I actually think it's pretty amazing that he can speak English because I can't say one word in his language. You know, like it's actually amazing. It might sound a little funny, but he can at least speak another language. Now, multilingual people, bilingual people impress me. Okay, I, I can barely talk in English. You know, I, I, American. I can barely talk American. I'm joking. I can barely speak English. And there are some people, even in this room, that can speak multiple different languages. If that's you, come on. I, I respect that, okay? That's amazing. If I had to go live in a different country, I'd just be like, we're changing the national language to English. I can't learn this, right? But people who can speak different languages, it's amazing because all of a sudden when you learn a different language, it opens the door for you to communicate with so many more different people. So the more languages you know, the more you can communicate, right? Now, I want you to understand that context because that is how God is. God is a multilingual God. God speaks more than one language. And I'm not just talking about English and Spanish and, you know, Russian. Or I don't know where that came from. But like he speaks, obviously understands those things. But God speaks in different languages. And I want to teach you the languages that God speaks so that you can tune in and hear how God might be speaking to you. He's a multilingual God. But just like any person that speaks multiple different languages, uh, God has a primary language. Okay, he speaks to us in a primary language. His primary language is the first one we're going to talk about today. And that is this, that is scripture. God's primary language and the first way that God speaks to us is through scripture. All right. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says this, all scripture is inspired. Y'all say inspired inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Some of you, that's why you came to church right here. That, I just want you to hear that. God's word is inspired by God, and that word is useful. You want to know how to live your life right and want to know what you're doing wrong? Read God's word. All right, it's, it's as plain as it can get. And it says it corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. God uses the Bible to prepare you to have a great marriage. God uses the Bible to prepare you to be a great husband, a great wife, to be a great mom, to be a great teacher, to be a great employee, to be a great leader of your business, to be a great person. God is using the Bible to prepare you for every good work. So the, I said you, I had you say the word inspired. Inspired, it literally means this. All right, you can put this up on the screen. It says, uh, it literally means produced by the spirit of God. And it's understood as the air that was physically expelled out of the lungs of God. That's what the word inspired means. So God's word is literally the breath of God blown out onto the pages of scripture. That means that whenever you are taking in God's word, when you are reading God's word, you're not just reading uh, words off of a page of an old book. It's different than when you're reading a novel or you're reading a self-help book or a leadership book. The Bible is inspired. When you take in God's word, you're taking in the very breath of God. You know, if you know me and if I've been to your house for a meal at some point and you've cooked food for our family, you know that I have food allergies, okay? I just, 
I've had to grow up with it my whole life. I'm allergic to a lot of weird stuff, okay? Nuts and uh, some other things, and it, I don't even want to get into it, but I, I've been to the hospital several times because I've eaten uh, something that I didn't know something, you know, what I was eating had something I was allergic to in it. And I've had to go to the hospital. And anytime, if you ever had to do this before too, you know what I'm about to say. It's, this is the greatest feeling on earth. Okay. Um, and if you, uh, if you can imagine what it's like when you eat something and your body starts to experience anaphylactic shock, you can't breathe. I, I don't care how hard you try, you ain't breathing. It's almost like if you took a coffee stirrer straw and tried to breathe through that. That's what it's like. It's like the, you can't get enough air. And then all of a sudden you start to panic. Like, oh boy. So every time I've had to go to the hospital, I'm in this state where I'm like, if I don't get to the hospital, I will die. I can't breathe. I can't get oxygen. Um, and, I'll, I'll, and I'm panicking because I'm like, I'm going to die. I can't get oxygen, right? Like, and so uh, every time I've gone to the hospital, uh, they get me right back. I lay down on the bed and they shoot me with epinephrine that, that like stops everything, opens everything up. And then the next thing that they do, I wish you could experience this without having to go through this. Oh, it's the best. They'll take that oxygen mask and they'll put the, the epinephrine's opening stuff up. They'll put that oxygen mask on and that, that first breath, guys, I just got chills. I hope you did. I'm telling you, there's nothing like that feeling of knowing that I'm not going to die. I have oxygen going into my body. I'm okay. I just got to ride this out now, right? Like I'm safe. I'm here. When you read God's word, it is literally, you're taking in the very life that God breathed the whole universe into existence. So him speaking through scripture, that's why it's so important for you to get in scripture. It's like you, some of you are living life right now, breathing through a little straw, little coffee stirrer. And you, you feel suffocated. You, you feel like, man, God's not speaking to me. I don't understand what's going on. And you haven't read your Bible in weeks and weeks, maybe months. Today is the day to get that Bible out and get that oxygen mask on your face and to just take in life because that's what God's word is. It's the literal breath come out of God's own lungs. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.12, he says, the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive and powerful. You're not reading some dumb old book that's like Harry Potter. You're not, you're not, or Lord of the Rings. You're not, you're not reading a novel. You're reading a book that is alive. And guess what? That, that book is going to read you. I, I love this. It's, and I would say it's not even about you getting into the word. It's about the word getting into you. You have to understand that, man, over time, the more I do this, the more life I'm just going to be fed. And, and, and the more you're going to be able to breathe and the more things open up and the more clarity you're going to have and the more you're going to be able to listen and hear what God is speaking to you. And so, and you're going to be able to discern, is this God? Man, you know what? I read something that sounded different than what I'm feeling right now. Well, guess what? That's not the word of God. We, we filter everything through God's primary language. His primary language is scripture is his word. Another word for Jesus in the Bible is the word. 
We filter everything through scripture. That's the first way, that, that's the first language that God speaks. So he speaks primarily through scripture. And the second language I want to teach you about today is this, is desires. God speaks through desires. And some of you are like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like, my, I know some desires of some people. Like, that doesn't sound like it's very sound. I would tell you two things. You're right. Some people have whack desires and two Calm down. Just trust me. All right, get, come with me for a second and we'll, we'll get there, okay? So uh, Psalm 37, 4 says this. It says, take delight in the Lord. So if we take delight in the Lord, he will give you what? The desires of your heart. This will tell us that this is a way that God can speak to us. I love the way that Mark Batterson puts this in his book, Whisper, which by the way, if you've never read this book, Please, you can get on our, on our website. There's a bookstore, digital bookstore on there. We don't make any money from it. I don't care. On there, you can buy this book. It's called Whisper. This book changed my life. It's a reason this church exists, by the way, uh, was that book. God planted something in us through that book. It's really good. In that book, he says this. He says, some desires are sinful, no doubt, okay? And those sinful desires, listen, they must be crucified, but listen, but God wants to resurrect them. He wants to sanctify them, intensify them, and leverage them for his purposes. We all have desires that are not from God. Would everyone in here agree? When that person cuts you off on the way to church today, I bet your desire was not, God bless them. You know, I just, they must be in a hurry. You know, I'll let them go. No, no. Your desire is like, go drive into oncoming traffic. How about that? You know, like that's why your desire is not good, okay? When your kids ask the same question for the millionth time in a five-minute period, your desire is not to gentle parent them. Your desire is to go, if you open your mouth to me again, you're not going to eat. You know, like that's how, we don't do that to our kids, but that's how, that's how you feel, right? Our desires aren't from God. The Bible actually would tell us in James, this isn't in the notes or anything. The Bible tells us that our desires are actually so bad that the devil doesn't even need to tempt us. We're already just broken. The devil doesn't even have to waste his time sometimes because our desires are just so whack. Our desires are definitely out of whack, but I don't want to focus on that part of the verse. Okay, God's going to give you the desires of your heart. No, we're not focused on that part of the verse. We're going to focus on the first part of the verse, which says this. You can throw that scripture up. It says, take delight. Y'all say delight. delight. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. That word uh, delight, it literally means to have a high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in. That's delight. Take a high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in. When I think about that definition of delight, it takes me back to literally one of my favorite specific places in the entire world, and that is Space Mountain in the Magic Kingdom at Disney World. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. The Holy Ghost just showed up in someone's life just now. Um. I love it. And I, I actually didn't go to Disney growing up. We, did, we never took trips there. And so the first time I ever went, we had just got married because I wasn't allowed to travel with their family until we were engaged or married. So we got, I only got married because I knew this trip was coming up. All right. So <laughs> I'm joking. And I loved her. Okay. But uh, we ended up going on this trip and I knew nothing about anything. I love Disney. I thought at the time I thought it was awesome. And uh, so we go to Disney and we get in Space Mountain. And if you've ever ridden Space Mountain, it's kind of retro in there. It's not like futuristic, 
in the modern sense. It's like futuristic retro. And so I remember going in thinking, all right, it's cool. You know, you're waiting in the line, you get in your little seat, you go through the little tunnel and you're making your way up the hill and there's like little men in the operating thing and music's fun and I'm like, that's pretty cool. And then we get to the top of the hill. I didn't know anything. And it's pitch black in there, guys. And there's stars speckled all over the walls and the thing. And I'm like, I'm going to get decapitated now when I, when I ride this. I can't even put my hands up. And I, something happened in me. Stephanie's laughing because she remembers this. I turned into a 10-year-old. I was cackling, laughing the entire time like a small baby, just laughing. I've never been that joyful in my life. I'm not joking. I will never forget it. And that's what I think of when I think of delight. Like that type of just fun. There's not a care in the world. There's nothing that's bothering you. You're just delighting in God. Like when was the last time you delighted in God? When was the last time you delighted in spending time with God and his word? When you delighted just being in church, worshiping God, serving, like when was the last time you would describe your relationship with God with delight? You know, I wanted to illustrate this. Here's here's what happens when we um, delight in God. So this is a piece of Play-Doh. It is from our children's ministry, Oasis Kids, and uh, it has been combined with lots of different colors, all right? Uh, and it's pretty ugly, okay? It's formless. There's, this isn't really any particular shape, right? And, and this is what our desires are uh, when we don't delight in God. This makes no sense, right? Like this is not going to do any... I can't tell you what this is. I guess it could look like an animal, right? Like a... With a mat, I don't know, but it's formless. It's not really, it's kind of random. But what happens is when you put your delight in God, you put your delight in the hands of God, he's able to mold and he's able to, to do something with it. And then he's able to take this and turn it into something. Now, I'm not going to sculpt anything. I ain't Michelangelo, but I can turn it into a ball. Right, And so he's able to take this formless piece and he's able to work on it. He's able to take things out that don't belong. And next thing you know, when you delight in God, when you take pleasure in your relationship with God, it goes from being a formless thing to being something that God's molded, that God used in his own hands because we've placed our desire or our, our, our delight in God and God used it to shape the desires of our heart. So when God does that, your desires start to align with God's desires for your life. Your desires are not apart from God because you're in God and you're letting him mold you. You take delight in him correcting you. You take delight in him showing you what to do. And all of a sudden it doesn't become formless. It becomes something that he can use, a ball as something that he can shape and mold however he pleases. And all of a sudden your desires become God's desires. Some of you, your desires don't align with God. And I would say if they don't align with God, they're sinful, they're evil, they're not going to do any good. But when you begin to delight in God, your desires are going to be godly. God's going to plant something in you. That's how this church started. Is God just planted, we had a desire in our hearts to do it. That did not come from us. We did not, my life's dream was not this. 
But as I began to delight in God and he began to speak to me and Stephanie and all of a sudden our desire turned into God's desires. And man, it's our heart's joy to get to do this. Some of you, listen, God's planted a desire in you and it's just tugging at you. Maybe that's God. Maybe that's God saying, hey, go for that. Go do it. Hey, that's a God. That's a God. Come on, do that. I, I gave that to you. Go, 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 go act on that desire. Listen, delight in God, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But without delighting, our desires are not like God's desires. So God speaks to us through Scripture. He speaks to us to our desires. The last one is this for today. And then we got four more we're going through next week, guys. Y'all aren't even ready. The, uh, the next one is this. God speaks to us through doors. Doors. So we got scripture, we got desires, and then we got doors. And I'm talking about open doors and closed doors. Open doors and closed doors. It says this in Revelation 3, verse 8. I know all the things you do. And listen, it says this. I've opened a door for you that no one can close. I opened a door that no one can close. You know, some doors that we see in Scripture are really obvious to us, right? Like the Red Sea. The Israelites get to the Red Sea. All of a sudden it goes, and they're like, I think that's the way I need to go. You know, I'm just going to go out on a limp here. Think that's what God's telling us to do, and those are obvious open doors, right? Uh, we and then later on in that same kind of story of God's people, uh, the, the Jordan River, they've got to cross this. It wasn't just like a cute creek, Drake's Creek, you know. It was a river, rapids. It was the rainy season too, and it happened like it was a rushing river. You would not want to be in there without a raft and a raft guide. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those. And all of a sudden, the Lord dries it up, and the people of Israel cross on dry ground. Again, obvious. They're obvious open doors. But God didn't just part the Red Sea. He didn't just part the Jordan River all on his own. Okay, I want you to hear this. This is often one of the hardest things for us to do because this language takes a lot of faith. Moses first had to raise his staff Moses first had to raise his staff in faith, and then the sea parted. The Jordan River, the priests that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God on their shoulders, they had to step foot into a raging river that you wouldn't want to be around it. But they had to step foot into that river first. They had to take a step of faith first. And then the, the, the Jordan River parted. Listen, I, w- I want you to hear this. This isn't in your notes, but I want you to he- please listen to this. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. It's, it's getting to the point where the desires have pushed you to a door. And you know that when you cross the threshold of that door, your life's going to look different. It could be scary. You don't know what's on the other side. Faith is taking a step to the threshold of an open door that God's brought you to. 
And that step, we've talked to so many church planners, the people that want to be church planners, and I'm not, this isn't a dog on anyone, but want to be church planners. And there's so many of them that get to this point where they're at the door. And that next step of like, Ooh, am I going to apply for art? <sighs> am I going to tell my pastor? Ooh. Am I going to almost fell over just then? Am I, am I going to? And I always tell people, take that step. Just come on, walk through it. Boom. Take it. Because I'm telling you, on the other side of that door is the blessing of God. That's where you find it. You know, years ago, Steph and I took a job in Knoxville at a church. And um, to be just completely honest with you, good job. <laughs> to be completely honest with you uh, was not a good fit for us. It was honestly a, a, not a great time in our lives. Uh, we did not enjoy working there. There was no working for the joy of the Lord. And there was a lot of different reasons for that. And a lot of it was me just being young and prideful and a know-it-all. And, you know, I, I thought I was, I was going to come in and save this place is what I, what I thought. And uh, people love that when a young guy comes and does that. Uh, people hate that. And there was a lot of different reasons. And looking back, what was happening is that Stephanie and I were trying to go through a closed door. God did not have that for us at the time. And so we were trying to walk through a closed door and boom, getting miserable. Oh, boom, oh, nothing's happening here. Oh, ooh, they don't like us either. You know, like it's just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Why? We were trying to go through a closed door. But then a church called Christ Fellowship calls me out of the blue and says, are you interested in this job? And I said, I would walk there, dude. I'm miserable here. I'd walk there right now. But Stephanie's going to have a baby any day. Two days later, Stephanie has a baby. And so a couple weeks go by, we have another conversation with this church, and uh, they end up flying us down for an interview, and we end up taking, or we end up getting offered this job at this church. And when they offered this job, what they had told us uh, in our interview process and what they offered us was very different, like $15,000 difference in salary, uh, less, <laughs> yeah, when we got there. And I don't know if you know this about South Florida, it'd be expensive down there, guys. Uh, and we were like, we physically cannot live off of what they offered us. Um, and I remember just praying, and there was just this tug in our hearts of just like, God said, go. They offered the job. There was a, the door was cracked, barely. We couldn't see it. The door was cracked. And so we decided, I remember listening to a song actually during that time. And the, the chorus of that song said, if I have you, talking about Jesus, if I have you and nothing else, I have everything. And me and Steph talked and we realized like, I can't tell my kids one day that we should have done something, but we didn't because it didn't make financial sense. I'm really glad like Moses didn't do that and Noah didn't do that and Abraham and David and all these, like, they didn't do that. They just said, yeah, I'll go. And so we said, all right, we're going to go. Guys, when I tell you that that changed our lives for the better, that was the best decision I think we've ever made. And it paved the way for this. You know, I was uh, blowing leaves out of my driveway yesterday, just happy and so grateful. 
And if we wouldn't have said yes to that open door, that tiny little crack in the door, we would not have fed a thousand people yesterday. We wouldn't have blessed the community. Michaela wouldn't be here every week leading worship because that's where we met Michaela. You wouldn't be sitting in this room. Your, if your marriage has been better because of this church, man, your marriage wouldn't be right there. If you found an answer to prayer for, because we've been praying here and the people here have been praying for you, that wouldn't have happened. That one yes through a tiny crack in a door changed everything. And I, I just have to think that there's some doors in your life that God is using to speak to you. And for some of you, you're like us in Knoxville and you are trying to go through a closed door and it ain't happening. No matter how hard you try, it's not happening. And maybe God is speaking to you and saying, that is not the way. Stop. Hey, that chapter is over. Some of you are clinging on to something and your fingers are in the door jam and God has slammed this door shut. And he's speaking to you right now saying, let go. The chapter's over. That's done. I've spoken. I've shut it. Let's walk toward the open door now. But some of you, you're at a place where God has been speaking to you and this opportunity has opened up to you or there's some sort of door that's just barely cracked and God would beg you to just go through the threshold. Just, just do it. Just step through. Well, I'm afraid. Do it afraid. Well, I don't know how that's going to work. You don't need to know. All you need to do is just follow God. Say, yes, God, I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm going. I am telling you from my personal example, it, there's nothing better than following God when it doesn't make sense. Following God through an open door that's just barely cracked. I promise you, I, pr I guarantee it, you're going to be blown away. That's where miraculous things happen. That's where the blessing of God is. That is where, man, you get to live in the calling that God has for you. And it just takes that one step of faith going through that cracked door. God's opened something. He's speaking to you. I love the way Pastor Craig Rochelle says it. He says, listen, when it's not God's timing, you can't force it. Quit trying to force open the open door. But when it is God's timing, you can't stop it. When it's not his timing, you can't force it. When it is his timing, you can't stop it. Some of you look at your life. How, what are the closed doors? What are the open doors? How about we stop walking through closed doors and we start walking through open doors? That's God speaking to you. And that's what he's doing. You know, next week, we're going to talk about four more languages that God speaks. And uh, it's going to be great. But I kind of wanted you to, to hear, whet your appetite a little bit. Because I can tell you the languages of God all day long, but if you're not willing to listen, if you're not willing to get in his word and to listen to God and to look at your life maybe in a different way, you'll never hear it. Please make time. Get desperate to hear the voice of God. Some of you are facing some family challenges. You need to be desperate to hear the voice of God. Come on. You're facing something. You, you need to be desperate. God, I, I want to hear you speak to me and start looking for these different ways God's speaking. And he'll, he'll show up. He's speaking to you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Come on, if you're in here and you want to make that commitment today, say, hey, this week,
I'm going to start being desperate to hear the voice of God. Come on, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand here. I want to be desperate. Come on, raise your hand. I want to be desperate to hear the voice of God. God, I pray for these people. God, would you begin to show up in their desires through their doors, God, in your word? Would you begin to speak to them in a way that they could not ignore? They're desperate for you. Their hearts are turning towards you, God. God, would you speak to them? In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your heads bowed. You know, I believe that God is speaking to some of you right now. And it's nothing like any of the things I talked about. The way you would describe it is God's just tugging at my spirit, my heart. He's drawing me in right now. I don't even know how to describe it. It could be because you need a relationship with Jesus and God's just been pulling you in this whole time. And he's been speaking to you. And, he, and right now your heart's pounding because God's speaking to you. And you don't, you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. It's the Lord. He's speaking to you. And some of you, maybe you need to make the decision today to start a relationship with Jesus. To start a relationship with Jesus. Man, God did everything. He's just, he loves you right where you are. You don't have to change anything. When, whenever you ask Jesus into your life, he starts to change you. You don't have to worry about changing yourself. He starts to change you. And if today you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, you can just say this uh, prayer after me in your heart. Just say, dear God, I need you. I've messed up but I know that you paid the price and I need you. God, come into my life and the best way I know how, I want to live for you and do what you tell me to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, y'all give God a hand in here for what he did.